how many basic facts about Metroid can I get wrong in our review? Strap in for the ride of your life in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Welcome to Cheerful Ghost Radio. My name is Tim, and for this episode, I'm joined by... Travis. And... John Dotson. And in this episode, we're going to continue our playthroughs of NES Classic Games and our review of Metroid. According to Wikipedia, Metroid is an action-adventure video game developed and published by Nintendo. The first installment in the Metroid series, it was originally released in Japan for the Famicom Disk System in August of 1986. North America received a release in August of 1987 on the Nintendo Entertainment System in cartridge format, with a European release following in January of 1988. Set on the planet of Zeb's, are we all agreed that that's how that's pronounced? Zebs or Zebbies? I don't know. The story yeah, I follows... Think so. it, yeah. it, I like linked to a video on Cheerful Ghost a while ago about how you pronounce it, but I think it's Zebs, yeah. All right, Zebs. The story follows Samus Aran as she attempts to retrieve the parasitic Metroid organisms that were stolen by space pirates who plan to replicate the Metroids by exposing them to beta rays and then use them as biological weapons to destroy Samus and all who oppose them. Alright. One of our Cheerful Ghost users, Adam Farnsworth, had a fun comment about how we review games and the historical significance of them. Everyone has their own reasons for scoring the way they do, and all of your reasons are just as legitimate as my own reasons. But I've noticed that historical significance, he put quotes around that, or something along those lines, often seems to bump a game from one rating to the next. I have often heard the phrase, because of the historical significance of this game, I'm going to rate it blank. Again, all reasons are equally valid, but it seems like those games are often recommended not because they're good games, but more so because they were popular games in the past. So we thought we'd bring this up and uh, kind of discuss it among ourselves. How does the historical significance run up how we rate games? Travis, would you like to kick off the uh, discussion here? Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that for me personally, I'm more likely to play a game if it was significant in the past. I mean, some games won't hold up to modern standards of gameplay, but um, i Personally, I, I see where he's coming from. Definitely, if 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 historical significance isn't a factor for you, then some of these games that we give higher ratings for might be lower ratings for them. And we usually do give kind of a secondary review or note that historical significance is a big part of our scores. But yeah, I I would personally love for everybody to at least mention that because I do look for historical significance for older games. Uh, what do you think, John? I don't. So 
we talked about this a little bit in Disenchant. <laughs> so many other reviews have talked about this too in the latest round of recording. But I look at things through a lens of what I remember them being and the time that they were constructed. I think for me, when I look at art, I think understanding it or having an understanding helps me enjoy it more. So um, I look at when it was created, if it was starting up something new, uh, was it the first game to use a battery save? Is this the first open world game that I remember playing? How impactful was this on games in general? And I think that does, for me, inform how I enjoy it now. I think also um, the nostalgia I have for it also helps inform it too. But then there are some games that we've reviewed that I didn't have any nostalgia for. Travis, as we were sort of doing, you know, middle, you know, in between shows mentioned, you know, he thought that I, you know, thought that how in a world where Ice Climber has no historical significance, what's your rating? Well, it would be lower, I would say, <laughs> um, you know, because we always talk about Ice Climber and I love talking about that. But I think that it's historical significance for me is important because I viewed the early work of Nintendo to be very historically significant to video games. And I view it through that lens of it's important to me. It's important to gaming. It's important to all the things that came after it. And I put it up there as like I'm watching Monet. You know, for me, uh, I mean, maybe Ice Climbers isn't Monet, but like Metroid sure as fuck is. Legend of Zelda is Mario Brothers is. I think these things should be historically significant. And I think that to me informs how I look at them and, and their greatness and my rating. So when you and I look at all media this way, I mean, you know, you can't deny the historical significance of um, Citizen Kane. It also happens to be an incredible movie. I also think um, Zelda Super Mario Bros. happens to be an incredible game. Now, is Ice Climber as good as Super Mario Bros. as Zelda? No, it's not. But it is historically significant. It does factor into how I look at it. And I like looking at art in that way. You know, um, I think for me, the historical significance is just part of how how I look at it. And I don't want to disentangle them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate the way that Adam brought this up. And uh, I think it's really important to the discussion. Yeah, I, I mean, the historical significance does play a part in my reviews, um, uh, you know, as well as just what games I choose to play. If, you know, some of these older games, if they didn't have any kind of historical significance, I probably wouldn't pick them up, like Ice Climbers, uh, you know. Chances of me picking that up on my own if it did not have that kind of historical significance or, you know, and especially if it wasn't included in the Nest Classic, <laughs> probably nil. Um, but um, I, you know, I, I, I try to rate them more or less on their own merits, but I don't know. I, I find it hard to completely divorce it from its historical context. But uh, I appreciate him bringing that up. And, you know, it was food for thought and kind of made me take a second look at how I review some things and I'll try and keep that in mind moving forward. Hello friend. This is everyone's favorite John Dotson from cheerful ghost radio. And thanks for listening to the show. If you're like me, then you listen to this show and have a job, but also have a few coins at the end of the month, not budgeted for anything. Well, friend, we have the solution to your problems as you can donate some of that hard earned money to us to help fund the good work of continuing cheerful ghost radio. It's easy to support us by heading over to cheerful ghost and click the heart at the top of the page and follow that to our Patreon page, which is a site for fun 
finding the things that you love. Aww. If you fund us at a member level, you get awesome benefits on Cheerful Ghosts. So head over, find what funding level works for you, and support Cheerful Ghosts today. Remember, it's good to support the things you love, and we love you. So make sure it's a mutual kind of love. So head over to Cheerful Ghost, click the heart at the top of the page, and support us today. All right, so let's get into uh, our overall thoughts on the game. John, what do you think of Metroid? The only real criticism I have of Metroid is that it's hard to understand where to go, um, and you have to bomb each wall, and it's really unintuitive where to go and how to progress through the game. You get to a certain point after the early game where it's like, don't fucking know where to go. It's 2018. Yeah, and you definitely need a map to play this game because a lot of corridors look alike, and it is really easy to get lost and um yeah not know how to get back right so i'm not putting on that historical significance has no bearing on the fact that this game is like mystery meat navigation right that's yeah it's big my biggest criticism of the game so it's 2018 and there are tons of maps for this game and um with a map side by on my side which was playing with power the nes guide which i think is an amazing companion piece to the nes classic is I love shilling Nintendo stuff, um, but I also think it's really fun um, if you love Nintendo Power. Uh, the game basically took me three hours and some change to beat it. And it's an experience that I really enjoyed. Probably some of the most fun I've had on the NES Classic. Although my wife and I play Mario, um, Dr. Mario all the time. That's probably my biggest sink into the NES Classic was that we just keep playing Mario, uh, Dr. Mario all the time. But it was so much fun and I really appreciate Metroid because it's it, it's it's clearly a product of its time and that it's a short game. Right. And the and the way they these Nintendo games padded out the length of games because they wanted to give you something 60 hours. So they did that, I believe, probably through making the game really obtuse to understand where to go. And then also Nintendo games made it really effing hard. So you hear about Nintendo hard games and you play it over and over and over again to get good. By the time you get good, the game takes 20 minutes to beat it. But to get really good, you have to spend 80 hours playing the game. Same with Metroid. You'd spend 80 hours mapping it and then you could beat it in three I did at least three hours and some change. And so I really liked that it was a tight game. Um, and again, taking out the, you know, the, the biggest criticism of it, that's not really easy to understand where to go. It's great. I found the difficulty really cool, too. So I think that once you get into the middle part of the game, it gets really hard. Uh, and then when you get enough E-tanks and I collected everything on my way through, I think I missed like a couple missiles or something but i got everything uh in in the maps and i got you know once you get like the screw attack the various suit long jump space the game becomes really easy until you get to mother brain and then they just crank that up uh i think the mother brain boss fight's a little annoying but it took me like a handful of attempts and i did it the annoying part was that there's so much happening on the screen that it lags a bit because uh, just the NES hardware can't handle that. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, the lag. The lag was yeah. really bad in that last fight. Exactly. And so speedrunners will, you know, one of the things that they use to mitigate that is by making sure there's not a lot happening on the screen so they can go through it quickly. But if you can handle that, and I did, you can handily beat it in a couple tries. I, you know, it, it wasn't too hard. I I didn't find any of the, the uh, Ridley or Craig to be hard either, because by the time you get there, and again, if you use a really good map, you're going to collect all the stuff. Um, they're not too hard 
to kill. But um, uh, I, I, I love the tone of the game. It, it was just so fun to play through it again. It's a very dark game. It's really like lonely. It's just you against all this stuff. There's almost no story except for the beginning and the end. Um, I love how at the end of Metroid, she's a Christian, um, which they're just using, you know, cultural shorthand, like pray that this is the last Metroid. It's like there's religion in the uh, Okay, whatever. I, I guess it's not clearly that they're Christians, but they did talk about praying in the game, which I thought is really funny. It's just a sort of homage to, you know, Nintendo doesn't really you know, do that like this you know, praying and it's, it's just, I just thought it was fun. It was fun that they like pray for peace in the galaxy at the end, but it's great. Uh, I really had a fun, uh, really had fun playing through it. And the music is just so catchy and yeah, it's uh, it's literally peak Nintendo peak NES. Yeah. I don't think that I agree with you about peak NES, but I agree with everything else that you've said. Um, I think that there are a peak- lot how about how about this peak first generation NES? Oh, absolutely. Then yes, yes, one hundred percent. But yeah, because later generation NES games like Kirby's Adventure, they're using Nintendo hardware in mm-hmm. ways that they didn't even think of in the first or right. couldn't. And and so I don't know if it's exactly like I think there are versions of the NES uh, life cycle, and this is peak of that version. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for the time frame, and again, we're talking about historical significance, but in the time frame, it is really impressive, like beyond impressive what they were able to do with the NES. And I mean, you can't really say enough about Metroid for spawning the Metroidvania um, genre, subgenre, whatever, of video games. I mean, it, it does a ton of stuff. And the only thing that I'll say about it is like, I got used to Metroid with Super Metroid. That was my first Metroid game. That was the one I put a ton of time into. Yeah, me and too. And playing Metroid is like typing on a really great keyboard with four of your fingers cut off. Like, it feels like you're missing <laughs> so much because you don't have the map. You don't have a lot of the quality of life things they added in super Metroid. And there was, I had so like much the ability to duck and shoot yes. at targets that are lower than your standing height. Like, the, the ground enemies were my bane in this <laughs> playing yeah. through this. And I had a lot of frustration out of it. And that's no fault of the Once game. Once you get the spacer, the game becomes a joke then at yeah. that point, because the, the weapon literally just goes up and down. It hits everything. It's crazy. Right. Get this OP stuff. <laughs> but yeah, the, I, I had a lot of frustrations because of that, but that was, wasn't really a fault of the game because it came out far beyond before super Metroid did. And you know, it was just a matter of what I was used to, but yeah, overall it was beautifully done for the time and still holds up in a lot of ways, most ways, but doesn't hold up in some. Yeah. It, I would say if it wasn't, you know, for the fact that it's lacking a, a few like quality of life things like, the ability to, you know, save your game, which it's worth pointing out that uh, on the original NES version, there was no save function. You had a, to uh, write down a password um, <laughs> yeah. to oh, continue your game. That. Because but, I use save state. Yeah, saves, but because we're states, playing so I totally on about the password. Yeah. yeah. So but because we played it on the NES Classic, we could do a save state, which improved our playing so much. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so that was kind of, first of all, I got to point that out. 
Yeah, no, actually in memory, memory serves like on this one, I bought uh, Metroid because it was cheap for about 20 bucks. This is after Super Metroid and Super Nintendo came out. And because of that save thing, I walked away from the game when I originally played it. Um, because again, Super Metroid just improved that so much by having a battery save. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 And then there's like the little things like being able to just duck and shoot a monster that's, you know, at your feet or uh, having a mini map or or a map to keep track of where you are in the world. Like if it wasn't for just a few like quality of life things, um, I'd say this game would hold up really, really well. But, um, you know, there's just just those few things where it's kind of like it really kind of shows its age and it would have been improved dramatically if it had those features. Tim, but I have a question also, for you and um, Travis about this a little bit. Do you mind? Uh, uh, just real quick. Um, I was just going to say that I just I, I don't know if the hardware at the time would have accommodated that. So I, I think they probably did the best they could with the resources that were available. OK, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. So I think one sort of twist on what you guys are saying, which you can't duck and shoot I think that it makes the game in the beginning more challenging to figure out like a puzzle, like how am I going to kill this thing if you need to? So maybe you don't need to. Maybe you don't need any missiles. Maybe you don't need any health. Maybe you can just avoid it. And then or maybe you need it and you have to figure out you got to like shoot down. You have to shoot up. So the game does include some really cool mechanics like you can shoot up and, you know, like in four different directions, which is pretty crazy at the time. Like I hadn't really seen a lot of that. So I wonder if hold up. Can you shoot down? Yeah. No shit. Can you? I thought you could. I, I don't I don't think I ever successfully got to shoot down, but Okay, okay, okay. Maybe you okay, so you can't shoot maybe again I'm confusing this with super. <laughs> I mean you can shoot you can shoot straight up, but you yeah. can't um and, and okay. you know, obviously okay. left to right, but so you can okay so I don't up, think down. you can't shoot down. If you okay. can, I kinda hate myself for yeah. not same realizing here. <laughs> that because it would have made things so much easier okay well this is something we need to look up but i thought you could let me look metroid nes shoot directions we're going to answer this right now because i might be um looking anyways so i think that the game gives you a little bit more strategy like you have to approach it in a more strategic way because of these limitations and then later you get weapons to just avoid it because you you know like like i mentioned spazers so i i don't know i i think that's kind of a cool design thing maybe it's not a design thing maybe it's a limitation but i like that aspect of it it didn't quite hit me in the same way anyway and you pointed out that you know back in the day trying to expand your playability with these games they weren't as you you didn't have a game that would take you you 20 hours to play so they kind of padded these out it's not really even fair to call it padding it out in this case but making them harder so that you would have to put more time into it and maybe that was kind of a an early way to do that to make you figure out what the hell to do Alright, so Metroid has quite the legacy in gaming here. There was the original game that we're reviewing now, there was a sequel on the Game Boy, and then there was a uh, Super Metroid released for the Super Nintendo. Then we had a uh, trilogy of games in the Metroid Prime series, 
There's a couple of other re-releases for the, the earlier games, a remake of the original game on the Game Boy Advance, a remake for the sequel on the Game Boy 3DS, which uh, John talked about in a previous episode. And then uh, we, there's also been a, a couple games released for the Wii, not to mention that the characters Samus, Aaron, and the Metroids have appeared in other games like the Smash Brothers series. Um, so Metroid's influence on the gaming industry has been pretty huge. There's even a genre of games called Metroidvanias, uh, which, of course, take their name from the Metroid and Castlevania series for uh, their similar gameplay. So uh, just uh, real briefly, why don't you guys uh, you know, tell us what kind of Metroid games have you played outside of this uh, first one? Travis, let's start with you. I played, as I mentioned, the like, Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo, and that might be my favorite that I've played. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I played the one on Game Boy, and it was a lot of fun, but the one on the Super Nintendo just kind of has that nostalgic bliss for me. Uh, I've played one of the Metroid Prime games, and I honestly can't remember which one it is. I it was the one on the DS and Metroid Prime Hunters. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was a lot of fun. I never played the ones on consoles, but yeah, that one was really fun. Um and I think that's pretty much it for what I've played. Uh I think that kind of moving into a first person game was a good idea. That was um you know, it it's kind of a hard transition to go from side scrolling shooter to first person shooter, but it worked really well. Uh, I'd like to see more of that, like a new Metroid prime for a switch. I would love to play one of those, but, and it's coming Metroid three or whatever, or Metroid prime or something, some new Metroid games coming out. It was announced. Oh, is it Metroid prime? Like first person. Well, I don't know if it's Metroid prime, but I think it's Metroid or a new Metroid game, Metroid three or something. Hmm. Nintendo talked about it at, um, Oh, what was it? Uh, the latest E3, I believe. They just dropped us like a like a new Metroid game coming in. Ah. Never. I don't know. They didn't talk about when, but people were stoked. Gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll definitely pick that up. I also really <laughs> yeah. like using uh, Samus in the Smash games. Um, like we talked about before, Kirby was the one to get because he's so freaking overpowered. But I had a lot of fun with Samus as well. I played Samus a lot in the original Smash Brothers, but um, I don't know. In the later games, she always felt a little, a little slow and heavy compared to some of the other characters. And considering like how fast-paced those games are, um, she was never one of my my better characters. All right, John, what about you? So I, I'd say the Metroid game I probably played the most of um, historically has been Metroid on Game Boy. When my brother got a Game Boy, we didn't have a lot of games. I think he had Super Mario Land. He had uh, and he had Tetris and he had uh, the Metroid game and uh, Metro uh, Return of what is it? Samus Returns or something like that or Return of Samus Metroid 2 or something like that uh, on the Game Boy. And I played the junk out of that. And again, I never beat it because it's the same kind of problem that the original Metroid. It's mystery meet navigation. You need a guide. I never had one. I didn't actually think to actually map it out. I probably should have and I would have done that. Um, and because of, I just love that game so much and I never really got very far in it, but I always loved replaying it and exploring that world very much. 
And, uh, you know, of course, Super Metroid, I beat that back in high school. And I had, a, you know, Nintendo uh, Super, uh, the, the Nintendo Power Guide or whatever. Probably didn't need it for that, but I used it uh, and I beat it. And I really enjoyed that game. But I want to talk a little bit about cosplay because it seems like one big staple. It's something we don't talk about a lot, but, you know, cosplays people uh, making costumes and stuff. And it seems like... Um, uh, a lot of cosplayers really like going as Samus, and I think that's really interesting. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, um, you've got that sort of classic picture where you've got the Super Metroid people cosplaying as Super Metroid characters with the actual pixel art. Have you guys seen that picture? It's kind of a classic cosplay where you have people that you know did like prints of uh, Samus of Super Metroid and then a Chozo. And they're as big as like an adult and it's in like a, you know, they're taking the picture outside and it's really kind of neat. Um, and then you've got a lot of people that do like zero suit Samus and like, you know, uh, costume Samus and all that kind of thing. So I think that like Metroid's legacy is pretty long and varied. And I think it's interesting how it like affected like space games, which is weird because it's so, so much of an influence about games in, in that sort of space, sort of dark gritty sci-fi thing when metroid itself was influenced by alien and aliens and uh that kind of thing and now metroid is the influence you know what i mean so it's this kind of like you know you know they even used like you know called the boss ridley which was you know named after ridley scott the director of alien so it's kind of cool to see you know this game influenced other games and then it was influenced by alien which is an amazing movie you should you should watch and if you haven't well you know treat yourself yeah definitely um i i've played obviously the original played the sequel on the game boy uh beat that one and then i've played super metroid a countless number of times it is one of my favorite games of all time um i just i never seem to quite get bored of playing it um, I just checked my desk here and I, I also have played and beaten, uh, Metroid Fusion on the Game Boy Advanced. That was actually a direct sequel to Super Metroid. Um, didn't quite recapture the magic, but it was still really good. And I highly recommend that to anybody who can pick that up for the Game Boy Advance. Um, but that was pretty much the, <laughs> the last Metroid game I've played. I never owned a GameCube, so I never had a chance to go through the Metroid Prime games. And uh, I, I know they released one for the Wii, the, what is it, the Other M, that did not get very good reviews. So I, I never really branched out to pick that one up. And um, unfortunately, I missed the Metroid Prime trilogy when they reissued that one for the Wii. Um, it was sold out by the time I, I tried to go pick it up and just kind of never got around to looking it up anymore. But uh, it sounds like I'm not the only one. It sounds like you guys kind of all stopped after the the Super Nintendo for the most part, outside of, like, you know, playing as Samus in Smash Brothers. Well, I played a couple. Um, I did, I bought, when I got a Wii, I decided to go back and rebuy some GameCube games because, it you know, the Wii could play GameCube games, and I bought, mm -hmm. and I got Metroid Prime. I would say for me, like, I know that game's really beloved, but for me, I the 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 first person controls seem like a step back compared to a modern console take on what a first person shooter is mm -hmm. and so i didn't like the translation on the gamecube controller so much so that i just sort of walked away and the game never really hooked me it was good but i just you know i i it just didn't grab me at the time i also played the 3ds version i just didn't talk about that one because i've talked about that one kind of a lot 
Mm -hmm. And did I play anything else? Oh, I also want to mention, too, that there's the original NES Metroid, and then there's Metroid Zero Mission that came out on the Game Boy Advance. I plan on playing that again because it's a retelling of the first game, kind of like Super Mario All-Stars. Now, I've heard that it cleans up a lot of gameplay. It adds maps, save points, all that kind of stuff. So I'd like for us to maybe play that at some point and do like a review and see how does zero mission compare to the first game because it's a repeat of the first game now it's not so different than like the game boy versus the return of samus 3ds i think it's actually uses the same maps and everything but again it 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 like actually includes maps and then save points and all that so i I think maybe we should do that at some point and play it but yeah zero mission on game boy advance um i've heard it's the way to get into the series interesting i'll have to definitely research that a little bit yeah definitely all right guys the time has come for us to hunt the ghost scale john where would you place metroid on the ghost scale 10 out of 10 historical significance (laughs) Um, so it's a must play it is it's uh and it's for all the things that i said it's so much fun it's uh it's historically significant um but beyond that it's just a fun game and i sort of in some games it's hard i would say to accept what it is at the time, so I don't think it makes for a more fun game. For me, I, I was not in for Kid Icarus. L- listen to it. I, I, I It's kind of shocking how much I don't like that game. And you take a game like Ice Climbers and I'm way more in, you know. With with Metroid, I sort of, because I had the guide, uh, I came into this game and I was really receptive to a lot of its faults. And I even understood that they were faults and they didn't even really bother me too much. Because um, I think that having a map and then having the ability to save states and then really just kind of breaks what the game, you know, used to like, you know, put as a blocker for people to play it. And for me too. And, and I think again, it's a must play for me because of just how much fun I had. I loved playing this and I would be playing in the evening and my wife would be, you know, she was, you know, working on her, you know, stitch, uh, sort of her sort of, uh, her project and then she'd cross be listening stitch. to me yeah cross stitch and she'd tell me to like turn it down because you know, she thought the music was annoying which is awesome I, th- I thought it was amazing <laughs> but she just was like it's just out of context it's just bleeps and bloops you know what I mean so because she's not really paying attention but I had so much fun and I'd sit down on the you know and have the guide right next to me which is the, it was like a great way to play this game you know so yeah Metroid uh, must play all right, Travis, what about you? I think this is one where I'm going to give it two separate scores. And one is for like including the historical significance, because I think you really need to look at the historical significance for this one. And on those grounds, it is a must play. It started off without this game. You'd have an entire genre of indie games never existing. Right, probably. right. Exactly. Like think about how much it has done for gaming. Uh, it, that can't be overstated, but I, the, I think the problems with it, I think I, John, when you were saying, when you were giving your review, I agreed with every point that you made. I think that the, it's just that the little 
problems with it bothered me more than they did you. Um, so I would give it a rad, pretty high rad, but not quite in must play territory. Just overall, if you ignore the historical significance. And that's mostly me because I'm so used to the major improvements in Super Metroid. Yeah, so I'll I'll admit I kind of struggled with where to place this one. Because, like, on the one hand, like, I, I had a lot of fun, like, revisiting this. It, it's been a really long time since I played the original Metroid. Um, and, you know, I it, it was a really good time going through it. Having said that, that was because I had, like, a walkthrough that I was following. Um, I had a map that I could use to follow it. I had the ability to use save states, <laughs> you know? So it was like I had all these, like you know, bonus supplemental features that were not part of the base game to kind of make Absolutely. it playable and make it a little bit oh, more fun. So much um, more fun. Yeah. And, and even then, like while I was playing it, a little part of me was just kind of like, you know, this kind of just makes me want to go play super Metroid again, because super Metroid is almost like a reboot of the original Metroid. Even though the storyline is a continuation, you basically go back through the same planet you go through a lot of the same areas you fight a oh, lot of I the love same that enemies about that game and you go immediately in the beginning of that game you go right to yeah the you final go mother right brain through zone. it's so great yeah through like the areas yeah. you finish you know in yeah. in, in metroid yeah. and so I, I i don't know i kind of struggled with it i i think i have to give this one a rad just because it's it's missing some really useful features that would have pushed it into like an amazing game all on its own. If you're including historical significance and the like bonus features that come with like a re-release, you know, playing it on an emulator or playing it on a NES classic where you can do save states instead of having to write down passwords and stuff like that, then, you know, I, I think it would fall into the must play category, but absent all of that, I'm going to give it a rad. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening.